All right, superhero. There's going to be this new breed (laughs) of basically like X-Men. Okay, March 22nd. 9.36 p.m. Do you want to give the numbers? I think you dug them out. Okay. So today, Canada is reporting 1,469 cases, and Ontario is reporting 424 cases. <coughs> but I have a new thing I want to do with these numbers. Mm-hmm. Because aside from all the testing issues that we were talking about yesterday, in a best-case scenario, these numbers could never tell you the cases that you have today. Hmm. These numbers could at most tell you the cases that you had a week ago. And that is because, in case you don't remember, Hmm. once you get infected, it takes about five days for you to get symptoms, and then it probably takes another couple days for you to get a test Mm -hmm. and to get results. And with our testing backlog, um, I think it's safer to assume that it's about two weeks before we have a test mm-hmm. from somebody. So really, the numbers that are released on any given day are showing the number of cases we knew about two weeks ago. And this disease doubles quickly. Mm-hmm. Every two or three or four days, you get a doubling. It seems like a lot of countries double in three days. So very conservatively, I think we should be reporting case numbers, confirmed cases, Mm -hmm. and then doubling them four times and reporting that as a probable or possible today case. Mm -hmm. Now that won't take into account any social distancing or measures we put in place, but I think that's okay because I think that will just encourage people to do more and then if the real numbers in two weeks come out and it's lower, then that's great. Then you know you did something. Yep. So it gets scary, though, because exponential growth is scary. So that means Ontario's 424 cases doubled four times become 6,784 cases. Mm-hmm. Did I say Ontario? Yes, Ontario. And interestingly enough, um, yesterday, I believe, I was whining about how I wish somebody would just come up with a credible estimate of how many cases there were. Well, somebody did. Mm -hmm. My favorite epidemiologist, David Fisman, Mm -hmm. um, used a calculator created by epidemiologists to use the number of deaths to, and you make some assumptions and back calculate and come up. Um, with how many cases. So because we have very few deaths in Ontario, I think there were three at the time that he used this. Um, it's a very not, it's a very wide range of numbers. Mm-hmm. But likely our real number of cases in Ontario are somewhere between 2,052 to 8,224. And so that number of the four doubling, 6,784, fits right nicely within that interval. Okay. So that's how many cases I'm going to assume we have right now. Mm-hmm. And then for Toronto, right now I found out today that 
um, Toronto Public Health is releasing the number of hospitalized patients, mm -hmm. of which right now they say we have 10. So if you kind of back, back calculate that, you figure out that about s of those 6,700 cases, probably about 2,000 of them are in Toronto. I think they're saying 11 hospitalized oh, currently. Tillich saying 11. And well, I'm not going to redo the math. And there was a one death. A couple thousand cases in Toronto mm -hmm. and four or five thousand outside Toronto is probably what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas what's being reported is 424 cases in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's nowhere close to what's actually happening. The numbers for Canada are even scarier. So reported cases, 1,469. If you do four doubles, you get 23,500 cases today. Mm. Cumulative. Mm -hmm. Now, we did start social distancing a week ago, so hopefully those numbers aren't true. But And, w and we would expect to see leveling off like we still need another week we really still need another to see week. things yeah. change after assuming things really got going. Yeah, we in might earnest. need another two weeks. Yeah. I feel like there is a ramp up. <coughs> yeah. And I was really stressed out about that yesterday, but I feel like I got over that today. Like any amount of social distancing, any amount that we do is good mm -hmm. right this is not a binary thing where we must completely do this perfectly or nothing's gonna work All it's totally a yeah. spectrum the more social distancing and isolation we do the better it will work yeah. but even if we have trouble getting the last 20 percent of people or however many percent of people to get on board mm -hmm. what we're doing whatever we're doing will still make a difference mm-hmm if some people like us take their kids to the park for a few too many days because they're dumb, like at whatever point you stop that, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. So we just have to live within perfection and do what we can. Yeah. I definitely think there's two types of people. There's people that are taking this seriously and really trying to figure out how to make, tr trying to figure out how to, fit into the best possible social distancing, wh whatever th that means for their life. Like, does that mean we go to the playground? Does that mean we don't go to the playground? Does that mean we go to the playground before kids show up? Do we, you know, there's people you walk by on the sidewalk. Like I went for a run today and people on the sidewalk, like there's some people that try to stick, like go out of their way to walk around. They cross the street if they see yeah. you coming. And there's other people that like almost run it like, R other runners like brush by you as they're mm -hmm. going by and th it feels like there's definitely yeah there's there's a range of how seriously you take this mm -hmm. and even the approach you take so one one thing i noticed today yeah. um was just the approach that various experts are taking mm. So they seem to go into two groups. Like there's the one group of expert that is just like super calm, poker face calm. Mm -hmm. No number, no reality is going to ruffle their feathers. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw that today in Dr. Isaac 
Bagash, Bagash, I think maybe. I don't know how to say his last name, but mm. he's um, an infectious disease specialist at Toronto General Hospital. So he is right in this. Yeah. And he did an interview on CBC News Network this morning and just calm as a cucumber. Hmm. Are cucumbers calm? Is that a cool phrase? Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. And then there's Di- Dr. Michael Warner, who is the head of the ICU at Michael Guerin Hospital. Mm-hmm. And he is he has been trying to raise like alarm. Like he wants everybody to know how very dire this is he mm-hmm. compared it in an interview to world war three yeah. he sent out mass ma- emails to all his colleagues just being like this is like this wave is coming and and so they're both like i don't think the other expert dr Bagach, disagrees with any of that like mm-hmm. they don't have a different position mm-hmm. but just a different way of like getting the message out mm-hmm. and i was just pondering whether one of them was better than the other whether we need both to kind of appeal to the different kinds of types of people out there yeah it definitely feels like people are it's very confusing in the media landscape in that some people are trying to say don't panic this I mean, very nobody's important. saying panic. Sorry, I, I don't mean to... S- I don't... Yeah, I agree. I agree. No one's saying you should panic, but some people are using... They're trying to demonstrate that this is a huge problem yes. by the number of people that could die and get yes. sick and how it's going to affect your healthcare system. Right? Yes. Like using... Like using tr- worst case scenarios yeah. to... And, and there's people who are use are describing those methods mm-hmm. as i think inducing panic right and i honestly don't know what to think about this like o- mm-hmm. obviously we don't want panic no, mm-hmm. panic's not going to help anybody no. i don't think it's the goal of anybody who are using these numbers mm-hmm. or or this method to wake try to wake people up i don't think yeah. that's trying to panic them it's yeah. trying to yeah wake them up but, but then once they wake up will they be panicked then i mean i think it's yeah, I don't know. The the thing it's like there are certainly people who don't get it yet. And mm-hmm. so how so do I mean I is that what's leading? I don't know. Like I I really don't know how you shake people. Like you want to shake people. I'll tell you how. And yeah. You double the case numbers four times and report <laughs> that <laughs> instead I, of the yeah, confirmed yeah. cases. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't 23,000 a lot scarier than 1,400? Yes. Because 23,000 is probably a lot closer to what we really have than 1,400. I don't I don't know that... I honestly don't know if bigger numbers are worse. People don't... aren't good at... I don't think people are that good at scale. Mm. And is, is hearing 1,000 any different than hearing... Well, I think maybe just because global numbers are being reported all the time. I see. And people know that Italy's in a lot of trouble and they have 40 or 50 or 60,000 cases. And Yeah. I get the feeling that we're going to start, like the other attack the media is trying to take, I think, is showing the faces, right? And, sh- and, and discussing, mm-hmm. like one story about, 
Was there a, there was some child like was it a six year old or a twelve year old or something that's now on a ventilator? What? Yeah, somewhere I'm not sure where, but that like that shakes you, right? Yes. Like more to me, that's more impactful than hearing a twenty thousand or ten thousand or five thousand. Yes. Like, like one child is yes. me is meaningful. Hearing that family, that poor family in the U.S., where like four members of their family have it and three have died or something, right? Like, like that shakes you. Mm-hmm. Think like to me when I did the math and said, if this is the numbers that we're looking at, you know, sick thirty to seventy percent of the population is going to get this. One percent of those people could die. I mean. Forget the 1% that's going to die. Talk about the 10% that might need to go in the hospital mm-hmm. of the 30%. That's like, you know, that. so of every 100 people you know, like that's 30 people that will get it, let's say on the conservative side, and then three of them will go in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like we know 100 people. Mm-hmm. Are we going to know three people that are going to be fighting for their lives in the hospital? Well, like no. You're missing the... Okay. Of all the people that you know, yeah. only a small percentage of them will get COVID-19 at all. They're saying that 30 to 70% of the whole population of Canada could get it, right? Could. Yeah. But... Like, w- I'm not saying, like, now, but I'm saying between now and, like, I two know. years from now. But if social... D- I mean, that's... 70% is... The goal is to not have it be 70%. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Right? Sure. Like, using social distancing and using the like testing and case tracking and isolation that we were talking right. about yesterday the goal is to actually keep the in the infection rate down so no, maybe I we get away with 25 percent or something like that indefinitely like yeah well before the vaccine before the vaccine mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it just feels like that's not like the the graphs that i see it's like we're talking about Flattening the curve doesn't change the area under the curve. Yeah, it does. Does it? In some models. I think the one we were talking about yesterday in the Globe and Mail. It's like it's actually yeah. less people are Less affected. people. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's brighter. That's a brighter note. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, but even if you don't change the number of people infected, it's still important to flatten the curve because you don't want to overwhelm the healthcare system. Yeah, I mean, my but several models show that it also changes, reduces the number of people infected. Right. Anyways, I like those kind of on personal terms like that, right? It's not. It's just thinking, like, ha- yeah, that this could be people we could know, right? That yep. that are gonna yes. be in the hospital. Yes. I mean, there's no question, but yeah, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And today we are seeing some personal stories of healthcare workers. So, healthcare workers in the states, and of course, this happened in China and Italy too. But like, the closer culturally it comes to you, the more you know about it. Mm-hmm. So with, um, so the states is in basically full-on crisis mode now in several cities Mm -hmm. and healthcare workers are tweeting about their experiences and one of the things Mm -hmm. that they're tweeting about are the pressure sores they're getting on their faces from the seal of the n95 masks that they have to wear for their whole shift 
And I suspect people are making them good and tight, right? Like when mm-hmm. you're like, I went through my fit testing at the beginning of this year and it's like, you put those suckers on tight, man. Like that's, that's this, you want this tight, tight seal on your face. Mm-hmm. And I suspect people are like reefing them down to try to protect themselves as best they can. Yeah. In the so then are they, so are they going to, like what happens there? Do they just get, the sores get worse and worse every day or what are they, what I'm do they do? My the suggestion would be to down? get a better quality. Like, so you know how um, in industry they use different types of N95 masks? Like, you know, they have the, they look like there's cartridges on the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but what mm-hmm. I would recommend doing is moving to something that's like, those are rubberized, they're larger masks. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens if you put those on and you're trying to talk through it. I don't know if it like right. muffles your voice right. more, but um, you could imagine wearing something that spreads the load out rather than along the sharp mm-hmm. line. You have a rubberized edge that's like much wider, like it's a much wider band. Like yeah. it's designed to be worn for hours and hours yeah. working, you know, for Whereas in, in probably the healthcare ones aren't because they don't usually wear them for entire shifts. They just use them for certain patients. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, you would think they would design them to be used for long. But anyways, right now they have yeah. no choice of masks. Yeah. They're desperate for anything. Yeah. Apparently Elon Musk and Tesla just sent a shipment of masks to Washington. Oh. They made masks or they um, have masks. Michael Guerin Hospital here in Toronto, used to be called Toronto East General Hospital, mm-hmm. is having a PPE drive, personal mm. protective equipment drive. Mm-hmm. They're asking anyone with unopened PPE to drop it off. Yeah. Apparently they just made a big change in the US. They they now will allow I guess there's N ninety five masks they're used for healthcare and then there are N ninety five masks used in like construction. And they now just allowed the F I guess I don't know what organization, but the body that controls this stuff said get the in industrial oh, ones in. Is so that would happen. So all of a sudden now. Yeah. So I think any manufacturing plants probably have stocks of them. I saw a healthcare worker go off on that though. I think. Yeah. I, I saw know. a healthcare worker go off on something. I don't know what it was, but what yeah. they were saying was that they're changing the rules. It doesn't make us more safe. Uh-huh. It just means that they can force us to do our job unsafely. Using the masks that are not made for healthcare. I don't know what they yeah. were referring to, but some change. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of things like that that are going to happen in the next little while. Where, I mean, it comes down to that. Like, I think some doctors w- are talking about buying their own stuff, right? Because they aren't gonna. They might run out, but the doctors are, like, you can't just not take care of patients, right? Mm-hmm. Like you. I think that's like malpractice if you say I'm not going to do this in an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know at what level they like you get to say no. This isn't safe for me. I'm not doing it anymore. There, mm-hmm. but there's like healthcare workers and police officers and firefighters, right? They have they sign up to work at their own risk to some degree, and so they're decide like they're going on trying to buy their own masks and stuff in case the ones in the hospital run out i think in some cases yeah it's uh it's yeah there's there's also a colleague of mine that works at a different hospital now they used to work at our site and they now work somewhere else she was trying to get in touch to see if 
there's, so there's in the U.S. now, I think there's some reports that people are using UV to sterilize some of these N95 masks. Like normally, I guess you wear them for a short while with each patient. You take it off after you see a patient, you get another one. But if they do that, they'll quickly go through. They're going to quickly go through all the all the masks they have. So trying to find ways to get people extending the use of these masks. Um, how do you sterilize them? Can you put them in a UV U, a room with a UV light? Like they make these special lights, light bulbs that just shine UV on things to sterilize. Could you sterilize the outside of these things with a UV light? Mm -hmm. uh, there, I think there are some places in the U.S. that are already doing that. Uh, it feels like they're going to have to come up with something like that here too. Microwaving is another thing that people have tried. Spraying them with disinfectants is another thing. So sad. It's, uh, yeah. I, um, I talked yesterday about an interview in Wired magazine with Larry Brilliant. Yeah. Um, who helped eradicate smallpox. And he has a TED Talk, too. And I listened to that today. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch it so I didn't see his slides but it was it was just like aggravating experience mm. because whatever year this was in it was just after SARS it was probably like 2005 ish mm -hmm. he and I presume many, many other epidemiologists in this world and I've heard Bill Gates has a talk like this floating around too he predicted with great precision mm -hmm. what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he did not predict the time that would happen. Nobody knew precisely when it was going to happen, but everyone knew that it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And they knew how bad it was going to be. They could guess where it was going to originate. They could guess how it was going to spread. They could guess that it was going to shut down travel and wreak havoc on the global economy in specific ways. And they had some tools for spotting it, too. Mm -hmm. And it's just so frustrating that this was known mm -hmm. for so long and governments have done so little about it. Mm-hmm. We spend how much money preparing for wars, especially in the U.S., yeah. maybe not so much in Canada, but still we have a military yeah. that has people and equipment and we don't have enough masks for our hospitals. Yeah. It's just, it's just very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing. If you think about the cost of one fighter jet and equate that to how many masks and like stockpiles of ventilators and masks and stuff like that. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's no, ridiculous to think. You even just like surveillance and yeah. like public health in general yeah. is much cheaper. And I'm sure the world's public health systems will all be in tip top shape for the next 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. After this is over. Yeah. Until everybody forgets about it again. Mm -hmm. There is a 12-year-old girl in, at l in an Atlanta hospital. 
on a ventilator. Well, that's tragic. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, Chris Hadfield did a short inspirational video oh. on YouTube mm -hmm. talking about how he's spent lots of time being isolated in space <laughs> and giving his advice. Mm -hmm. There's like four points. Oh I don't yeah. think I remember them all, but one was like, know your risks. Uh-huh. And two is like, know your goals, set goals, know your constraints. And I can't remember the fourth one, but it was a very nice mm -hmm. video. And he's like, there's never been a better time to be isolated. You have the internet. It's true. <laughs> it's true. A friend w was saying that she lo she didn't have internet for a day or so. And I mean, that just gave me shudders. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. What? How could we? We would have to declare emergency. Yeah. And there's so yeah. much more. I've been watching CBC News Network because they unlocked that. It's yeah. free now. Yeah. On Gem. Yeah. So, not that we have a lot of time. No, but, I mean, anytime we have, it's like... Yeah. The internet is critical for it. Oh, and the other thing that happened today <coughs> was that Toronto... Oh no. Ontario announced that they are opening up, reopening some licensed daycares mm -hmm. for frontline workers. And Toronto said, and they're going to be free, free childcare. <coughs> and Toronto said that their childcare centers are going to run 24 7. Which is both great and sad. Because mm -hmm. it just underscores what our healthcare workers are going to be doing for us. Yeah. Are doing for us already. Yeah. No, that's true. There's 10 people, 11 people in hospital in this city somewhere. Yeah. Um, I feel like last night we were talking about, we talked a little bit about how this whole thing could end, right? We've got some mm -hmm. people talking about how long we're going to in this sort of uh, social distancing yes. state mm -hmm. and what how we move forward from that mm -hmm. and I was under the impression that so the articles that I'd read hit were showing that you know it looks like we kind of have to continue at this level of social distancing maybe till the end of the year right and right but it actually that's a that's an overly simplistic way of looking at it. There probably should be, you were saying, there mm -hmm. should be better ways to do this. Yes. If we, and let me see if I can remember now. <laughs> you were saying that if we can, basically if we can get the contact tracing going, right? So we yeah. can identify, if we can get the overall numbers down by keeping social distancing going and s do good testing and contact tracing mm -hmm. then we should be able to relax the yeah the amount of distancing yeah. that yeah. we have to keep in society while staying very vigilant well, yeah, yeah yeah but but slowly taking our foot off the gas or brake whichever way <laughs> whichever <you want>. one <laughs> way social distancing <laughs> is yeah. yes yeah and i say that because that's what 
I see happening in like the South Koreas and Singapores and Taiwans of the world. <coughs> someone, someone was even saying in China they've now closed all those those extra hospitals they built in a week. They've now shut them down because mm. they like actually they are not them. getting somehow they're managing. And hopefully they don't. I mean, China will China will tell us the story on this. We will watch and pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. So that made me feel. That's what we were talking about last night, though. Yeah. On the podcast. Were you going to add something to that or are we just repeating that? No, I thought that that we got to that point at the end and we left out some of it at the end. Oh, I don't know. Anyways, we talked about it again. Can we talk about superheroes? (laughs) Yeah. Did we talk about that? You listened to the podcast again. We couldn't remember if we actually I don't think we talked about that. Maybe this was the thing. All right. Superheroes. There's going to be this (laughs) new breed of basically like X-Men. We can consider them. There'll be people that have. A little extreme. That have had coronavirus, have had COVID-19, and now will be immune to it. And so they are going to be people that can go anywhere, go out, work with older people, people. vulnerable people, not worry about giving it to them. Tillich wants to mark them with a cape. (laughs) Yeah, originally cape and then maybe just like a tattoo. They should get like... Mm-hmm. Like a C-19 tattoo on their wrist or something. Now, let me address immunity for one second. Yeah. So I don't think the science is like completely settled on whether people who have been infected will have immunity going forward. Right. But experts say that it's likely. They think that's what's going to happen. And the few cases where it seems like people have tested positive and then negative and then positive again are most likely testing errors rather than you got the disease and then you didn't have the disease and then you got the disease again. Right. So I don't think the science is like totally 100% settled. Right. But the word on the street is that immunity, once you're infected, immunity is likely. Is, I mean, can we take like other coronaviruses that we are aware of like like there are colds, right? There, yeah, that are coronaviruses, mm-hmm. and d- w- th- is that what happens with those? Like we no get, idea. we get immunity with them. I, I mean, no for most colds, do we get immune? Like, do we get the same cold? I don't know. Hmm. We're gonna have to find out about that, I guess. Hmm. I don't know, but that actually <coughs> kind of leads into another question that our friend John Oriopoulos asked on mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Which is, are there multiple strains mm. of this virus? Yeah. And I don't totally know the answer to that, but I know some things that might be interesting or at least help with the Google search if somebody really <laughs> wants to know this. Mm. So COVID-19 is the name of the disease, not the virus. Mm-hmm. The virus is actually named SARS-CoV-2. And it is so named because SARS-CoV, the original, was the virus that caused SARS. Yeah. So this is like just another strain of that virus, 
which is why when it first appeared in China, I guess they were calling it a SARS-like virus. So well, that's the that that doctor, the Chinese doctor that first raised the alarm and yeah. sent the note to his colleagues, said, "I'm seeing a bunch of patients that have SARS." Yeah. And yeah, it exactly. It seems like SARS might be coming back, is what he said. So yeah. it is. So the other strain of this is SARS. Mm-hmm. Um, within, I don't really know how virus strains work beyond that, so I don't know if. SARS-CoV-2 that's causing COVID-19. I don't know if it mm. has further mm-hmm. substrains within it or not, but mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-2. So that's the virus and then COVID-19 is the disease. But in anywhere that the public is going to read it, they use COVID-19 interchangeably for virus and um, virus and disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a World Health Organization s- gave some tips for living under this sort of, you know, what do we call it? Social distancing, social isolation, I guess. What you should be doing to... Yeah, what you should be doing. These tips. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy, boost your immune system, limit alcohol and sugary drinks, don't smoke, Exercise for at least 30 minutes a day for adults, an hour for kids. If you're allowed to go outside, go for a walk, run, bike ride while keeping a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, dance, do yoga, walk up and down the stairs. People working from home shouldn't sit too long in the same position. Take three minute, take a three-minute break every 30 minutes and get your mind off the crisis. Listen to music, read a book, or play a game. Good, mm. good advice. I mean, that's probably stuff we should I always be doing. I prefer to anyways. keep my mind on the crisis <laughs> at all hours of the day. It's true. Somehow that is some people. Some people. We use information to cope. That's we true. learned that when Caden was in the hospital. That's true. And we were driving the doctors crazy. <laughs> and people kept telling us, not as a compliment, no, probably I not as an insult either. Oh, but as an insult to me, between, for sure. They would say... You are not our typical parents. That's the nicer way they put it. Other people told me I worry too much. Back off. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways. And then one doctor said to us, you use information as a coping tactic. Mm-hmm. And we said, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she gave us all the information. <laughs> and we liked her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I know that about myself and thus I am reading everything I possibly can because this is a crisis that needs to be coped with. Yeah. Yeah. Can I talk about the sign? Sure. I want to start a movement sort of like what's happening, I guess, in, was it Europe where they clap Clap, at a certain time Mm -hmm. somewhere in europe they every day at a certain time everyone goes out to their balconies i guess you have to be in a dense area where you can like see people on their balconies so that you can kind of see and hear people clapping and i guess if people are in the cars they honk it doesn't feel like us starting something like that would be quite as effective especially depending if you live in an area where other people can see and hear you but what if 
what it, so the i think the other problem with getting so getting people to understand that it's important to take social distancing seriously right we've got a lot of social media stuff going on to try to convince people of that but the problem i think is you see all the people congregating in places right you can see if if you're someone like you're seeing the examples of the people not following that advice mm -hmm. but you don't see all the people that are following the advice and i think it's tricky to get people like i think that might be working against it might be actually convincing people oh it's not so serious these people are clearly not really following it that closely i'm not i don't need to either but what if we put up signs in our windows or tanya had the idea of the back of the kind of if you have your car parked in your driveway you can put it in the front windshield of your car because cars aren't driving that far now i don't know we could put it like if it's wherever wherever is visible in your vehicle yeah, or visible. where most visible to your neighbors you know, people I'm walking on the by car because all our neighbors cars are in their driveway now all day that's what i mean people aren't people yeah. aren't going anywhere with their mm -hmm. car so that sits in front of their house and it's close the way our driveways are here you see the car is the closest thing to the sidewalk so anyone going mm -hmm. for a walk sees like if you put something in the back windshield of the driveways here you would see it very clearly so the so i have a version of a of a sign i don't think you did you see the latest one this is the latest one. Oh, very nice i will put a link for this down in the so describe your sign right so at the top it says hashtag i stay home for and then underneath that is six little icon type pictures one is a cashier one is a cleaner one is a doctor one's a bus driver and, and there's a pharmacist and the last one's a police officer and and it and then at the bottom it says download this frontline support sign at engineeringhealth.ca slash covid19 so actually that's not live yet but i will make that mm -hmm. live soon um but we um yeah, we'll see if people, I don't know. I don't know what it would take to get this to work. I think it kind of follows along the example of how you get, how you convince large groups of people to do something. It's not by telling them you're, you're doing it wrong or all these people are doing things wrong. That's not the way you get people to do it. You have to highlight who's doing it right, and you need some social pressure to show that the people doing it wrong are the outliers. They're mm -hmm. the ones that are... Yeah, they're fewer and far between. So if you suddenly saw signs like, I think if you saw signs like this popping up everywhere, then the people would be, would realize, oh, all of my neighbors are taking this very seriously. Yes. And I'm the weird one not taking it seriously enough. And yes, maybe. I think there's a lot of tricks to like getting large numbers of people to do things that like, we're not making good use of mm -hmm. like what else well i saw one today from some design people who are saying that social distancing is such an it's a so term that doesn't have clear meaning to yeah, people that was a ba yeah bad term and for sure. so what they suggested was you just say stay home get groceries once a week right more and clear. that was like their sign yeah agreed instead of like social it's like yeah it's true that was 
I, I have trouble remembering the term every time. And it's like, <laughs> it's so like. And plus, <laughs> people are starting to move to the term physical distancing. Well, that's even better. That's really what we na- matters, need yeah. socially. You don't want social. Yeah, you still want to talk to people. Distance, really. Talk to people online, call people on the phone, stand six feet away from people at the park like we saw and have chats. Yeah. Oh, I have breaking news. Breaking. It won't be breaking for you listening to this because we're not posting this right now. But anyways, right now, Sunday, March 22nd at 10.16 p.m., I am learning that the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic committees will not send Canadian athletes to compete at Tokyo 2020. I mean, that's the way to put pressure on the I find it impossible (laughs) to believe that the Olympics will happen. I don't know why they're still pretending that it will. I mean, because it's a huge loss for somebody. I guess the IOC will have to eat that loss, but... Someone will have to eat it. The country and the IOC. But also people have been talking about just, like, delay it one year. Mm -hmm. You can still use all the buildings and Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen. It also says, the headline I'm looking at also says, 13 Toronto frontline workers test positive. Oh, right. I did read that, too. Wow. I feel like I uh, had another note about that. What kind of frontline workers are they? Are they health workers? Yeah, they're healthcare workers. They didn't specify, like, doctors, nurses, PSWs. It says here, yeah, doctors, nurses, long-term care workers. But they didn't specify. Well, it says 13 health professionals, yeah. Like, I'm in my sign, I actually, I feel like it's, I mean, obviously, the healthcare people are the most... High risk, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if, you know, to me, like a cashier at a grocery store is, Mm -hmm. if we have community spread, I feel like they're going to also be high risk. Not if. I mean, yeah, I'm saying. Remember, there's (laughs) 2,000 cases here in Toronto right now. Yeah. And almost 7,000 in Ontario. And um, we were talking yesterday a lot about how the testing has no hope of catching all the cases because they're only... They were only testing out of people who had traveled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's 100% true, but... Mm. Um, anyways, I read today that Toronto is shifting its testing to people who come into contact with large groups of people. Okay. Because we are really running out of tests, and yeah. so they need to ration them. And so if you're like a healthcare worker or somebody who needs to yeah. do a job with a lot of people, especially an important job with a lot of people, they're going to test you first. Right. And if you have mild symptoms just or tested. symptoms that you can treat at home, you just stay home. Assume you have it and stay home. That's what great. the article did not say was, and contact everyone you've been in contact with for the last week they didn't say that Tell i feel like that's an important too. step too yeah you need to call everyone you've been in close contact with over the past week and they should isolate too yeah where do you draw the line it's it the like do you go just two levels like do all then do all those people have to call everyone they know and like once they get if they get symptoms so symptoms then i think so right because t- that's true because to symptoms it's actually not that like it's like two days, yeah. let's say, right? Yeah. You could be... So it's actually not crazy to say, okay, I got symptoms. Now I have to let everyone know. Like just think back yeah. two days. Who did I... But who was even I before you... Ha- I mean, it depends what you're doing. Like right now, a lot of people are home, right? Yeah. 
So you just stay home. Like and yeah. if somebody called you and said, I think I have COVID-19 and we were hanging out the other day, then maybe you don't go get groceries. Yeah. Right. You just stay home. Yeah. And then if you get symptoms then you call your network. Yeah. But yeah, our testing is just not up to what we need it to be. Germany is doing 130,000 cases per week now. Mm. Which, according to Jean Philpot, mm. that would be about equivalent of 30,000 a week for us. Mm. Um, which is roughly... For Canada? No, we were talking about 5,000 a day for Ontario, weren't we? Yeah. Unless that's a weekly number. Oh, no, that is what, sorry, that is what Jane Philpott was saying. 30,000 a week for Ontario. Oh, oh, so <coughs> we need six Not times Canada. more? No, 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 week. No, 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 no week. 5,000 5, a day is roughly the same. Oh, it works out to yeah. the right amount. Yeah, yeah, it works out to the right amount. So, so if we can if hit we the hit target, if we'll be good. If they hit that target, that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty good. That's okay. like on par with South Korea and Germany. and The best, okay. But That's I mean, if, if they hit the target, it's yeah. good that they have that target. I'm yeah. glad that that's where we're heading. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. they're not saying we're doing lots of testing. Yes. Yes. Good. Um, I just saw something else that I okay, reprieve for rent renters in Toronto could be coming soon. Mayor Tory said. Okay. That's yeah. great. That's just. It's late now though. <laughs> oh. And I have to go to bed. Okay. Is there done? anything else important that you wanted to say? No. Okay, I don't really have a joke, but I did <laughs> read a new term that's been trending on Twitter lately, oh, yeah. which is a covid idiot. Yeah. Which is somebody who does not respect social distancing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, there you go. New word. Great. All right. Use it widely. Good night. Good night. <laughs>